Greetings in the name of Jesus, who saved us with so great a salvation. A number of years ago, I think it was in the state of Mississippi, a lady lost her keys. She looked around the house, no sign of the keys. Where could they be? Maybe she inadvertently put them into the garbage. So um, she went out to the dumpster, climbed into the dumpster. While she was in there searching around, the uh, garbage truck came along, unloaded the contents, including her, into the garbage truck and drove off. She was yelling and screaming, and he continued on his two-mile trip to the garbage dump. Fortunately, someone heard her screams and uh, arrested the attention of the driver, who stopped, good thing, because he was about ready to compact the garbage. And they pulled her out of there unconscious, um, covered with um, banana peels and um, all kinds of stuff. She was okay. Think of that as a pretty great salvation, physically speaking. But we have been saved from a greater uh, calamity through the blood of Christ. He has rescued us. Now, it seems that I'm looking at a odd group of people here this morning, at least in the words of A.W. Tozer, who said, a real Christian is an odd number anyway. He feels supreme love for one whom he's never seen, talks familiarly every day to someone he cannot see, expects to go to heaven on the virtue of another, empties himself in order to be full, admits he is wrong so he can be declared right, goes down in order to get up, is strongest when he is weakest, richest when he is poorest, he dies so he can live, forsakes in order to have, gives away so he can keep, sees the invisible, hears the inaudible, and knows that which passeth understanding. I'm glad to be part of an odd group of people. We sang this morning, I love thy kingdom, I love thy church. Now you have a nice building here. Um, Is it finished? I noticed you have a nice um, fellowship hall. So are you you done uh, building the church here? Well, I hope not. Because we want to keep on building the church until Jesus comes. He said, I will build my church. And it's our privilege and joy to be part of building the church, of of workers together with God. This morning I'd like to speak about building a church. My text is found in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3:16 Know ye not that ye are the temple of God that the spirit of God dwelleth in you We are corporately 
the building of God, the temple of God. And Ephesians chapter 2 expands on this, the end of the book of, uh, of the second chapter of Ephesians, continues this analogy, points out in verse 20 that we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, and Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. I'd like to think this morning of various aspects of a building and of building the church. <clears throat> First point I'd like to make is that the foundation of the church is Jesus. Question. I'd like your response. What was Menno Simon's favorite Bible verse? What does it have to do with? Other foundation can nobody lay than that which has been laid. That's right. He is the foundation. Now I'd like to base much of this message on 1 Corinthians. So if you'd like to go there, you can follow along. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1, we find the name of Jesus. Paul and Silvanus and Simotheus unto the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Going to verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 10. And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Now, in our, the home where Barb and I live back in Ontario... We, had, uh, we have an old house, it's a century model. There was a summer kitchen, it's a term that we use in Ontario at least, and it did not have a foundation. And so, depending on the weather, particularly in the winter, the, um, uh, this addition to the house um, shifted, and the door sometimes closed and sometimes didn't close. So we tried to, uh, I tried to put a bit of a, uh, some props underneath and, it still didn't work, and finally I thought, okay, let's tear this thing off, and let's put a proper foundation under it, which we proceeded to do, and, and now things work fine. There are some alternatives in attempted church building to a, a foundation of Jesus Christ. There might be a man that a church is built upon. There might be rules and regulations. There might be traditions and culture. There might be a writer, a seminar leader, or some charismatic leader. Now, these various things can be useful. <clears throat> yes, we need leadership. Rules can be helpful. Traditions can be of assistance. But none of those are the foundation. The foundation is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, <clears throat> in the church, we have a, an emphasis on Jesus. There's salvation in Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Romans says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Christ is the means of salvation. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. <clears throat> 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. He says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Salvation, the basis of our life in God, resides in Jesus. Life in Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The presence of Christ, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. We have peace in Christ. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. We have joy in Jesus. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. We have Christ as our example. Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Now, as a school teacher, I find it interesting, the origin, as I understand it, of this term example. In many classrooms, <clears throat> you see an alphabet, ABCs, and... So the idea here for students as they are learning to write is that they <clears throat> have their pencil and paper and they look at how the letter is formed and they start making the letter and then they look up again and then they make a little more and so they keep constantly checking what it looks like. Well, we keep constantly checking as we heard in our devotional this morning about looking into the Bible, looking at Jesus and his example. We pray in his name, and so on. So, Christ, who is our life, he is the foundation. It's essential that we have a relationship of love and faith with Christ. He is central, he is foundational, otherwise we're building in vain. So first of all, this building, the church, has a foundation. Secondly, there is the floor. First Timothy, I'm sorry, First Thessalonians 2 and verse 13 speaks about the word of God. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God, ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So the floor is what we stand on. Do you know that little song, the B-I-B-L-E? If you care to, you can stand now and we'll sing that. Children and everyone, the B-I-B-L-E. The B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Thank you. you Maybe seated. I'm thinking particularly here of a, of a building with a with a basement, a floor. Uh, search the scriptures, Jesus said. He said, "You do err, not knowing the scriptures." And uh, 
Paul, writing to young Timothy, reflects and instructs us about the scriptures. And he writes in 1 Timothy 3, verse 14, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the word of God is useful for doctrine, what is right, for reproof, what is not right, for correction, how to get right, and for instruction, how to stay right. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and the Apostle Paul, writing to the Corinthians, who um, needed some correction, said, the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. So as we begin to cut out sections of the Bible, it might be analogous to cutting out sections of, of a floor in a building <clears throat> where there's a, a basement underneath. Rather dangerous situation when you have sections of what you're walking on cut out. And such people may find that the hole they fall through is actually a bottomless hole. Revelation 22:19. maybe you studied this in Sunday school not too long ago. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. Now, it's not just a knowledge of God's word. That's important, as we heard this morning. But it's the application and, and the transformation that the Holy Spirit works in our lives as, as the truth is applied. Years ago, there was an 11-year-old boy called Bill out on the West Coast. And his pastor said, anybody here, young or old in the congregation, who memorizes the Sermon on the Mount is entitled to an all-expense-paid meal at the top of the Space Needle, I think it's called, in Seattle. So young Bill decided, okay, that's something I'd like to do. So on a two-and-a-half-hour trip with his parents, he memorized all of Matthew 5, 6, and 7, a little over 100 verses. Went to his pastor and recited it. And so he uh, got the prize. And he told his pastor, I can put my mind to pretty well anything that I, I can do pretty well anything that I put my mind to. Unfortunately, Bill hasn't put his mind to applying the word of God. This man, Bill, who is worth financially $100 billion, Gates is his last name, uh, a man who is so intelligent that uh, uh, he had a perfect SAT score and went to Harvard and graduated saying you're never really intellectually challenged. He hasn't put his mind to the scriptures and when I asked um, about his face, I said, well, um, um, Protestant, uh, agnostic, um, I don't know, um, 
I'll just put me down as a Protestant that hasn't been to church for a while. So it's not just knowing the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures, but as James 1 says, uh, not simply looking in the mirror and walking away from the mirror unchanged. As you read Pilgrim's Progress, you meet up with a character called Talkative. He had all the right words. He, can, he, he knew the, the language of the Christian, but uh, what does it say? He was a devil at home to live with. The Bible is like the floor that we stand on, the Word of God. Stand alone on the Word of God. Thirdly, think about building the church. Let's think of the windows. We have some windows here. Um, thinking more about nighttime when the light shines out. Of course, we want God's light shining in to the church as well. Thessalonians were... Uh, Wonderful example of being a light in darkness. Again, in 1 Thessalonians, going back to chapter 1 and verse 7. So that ye were in samples to all to believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything. Jesus said, ye are the light of the world. You're like a city set on a hill. God told Paul, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles. Philippians speaks about Christians uh, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. Christians are as lights. And so windows are an important part too. Our witness is important. Fourth, Think about uh, supporting and integrating material in a building. Thinking about the studs and the rafters and the nails and the braces and the joists and so on. Think here about the principles of godliness and brotherhood. Christian character, Christian fruit, Christian virtues. And here I'd like to go to chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, where we have uh, perhaps a dozen or so altogether. First of all, from chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians, verses 3 to 5, we have the practice of purity being a strong, supporting, integrating material. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God. And that lust of concupiscence is so prevalent in Canada and the United States. The rot of immorality will cause the fall of a building. Next, integrity, chapter 6. That no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. Then there's the practice of holiness, verses 7 and 8. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness, he therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God who hath given us, also given unto us his Holy Spirit. Quietness, verse 11, and that ye study to be quiet. 
and have respect for others, also verse 11, and to do your own business, not to be a meddler. Mind your own business. And to work, as verse 11, the latter part says, and to work with your own hands as we commanded you. Then there's the importance of honesty, verse 12, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. Moving now to chapter 5 for a few thoughts. Verses 12 and 13 teaches respect for leaders. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. So to know your church leaders, not being cold or distant. Other translations say to value, to pay deference to, to appreciate your leaders. And this idea of labor, them which labor among you, has a thought of um, wearisome toil. Those of you, those who are over you, that's where the, the hardest labor lies, from my experience. Uh, Moffat's translation says, presiding over you in the Lord and maintaining discipline. And to esteem them in love, esteem having a thought of regarding favorably with respect um, when speaking to or about them, um, yielding to, praying for, and so on. Chapter 5 and verse 13, the latter part, and be at peace among yourselves, how this strengthens and supports the church when there's peaceful relationships among the brethren. Um... I am blessed, and I hope you are too, with a home congregation. Uh, we had been about this size for many years, from 1976 till about 2000. Um, and then we began to grow, so now we're at uh, a little over 200. Well, actually... Last Sunday, we began a second congregation, an urban ministry in Kitchener, Ontario. And uh, so we're, we're not, we're only at about 140 or so now. About 80 people went to that one. But looking at, at, at the makeup of our congregation, we have a, quite a variety of people. But I really don't know of anyone who has a relationship problem with somebody else. It's, it's quite remarkable in, in reflecting as, as I move around the country and hear of different situations, and, and, and I've, I've worked with other congregations where that has not been the case. But uh, it's a great joy and blessing when there is peaceful relationships in the church, how that supports and strengthens the church. Chapter 5 and verse 14 says, uh, Warn them that are unruly, those who are not keeping rank, literally is the idea, and uh, to encourage those who are faint-hearted. Comfort the feeble-minded, those who um, lose courage easily. Um, support the weak, be patient toward all men. In most congregations, and that includes my home congregation, there are some who are easily disheartened, who uh, have emotional weaknesses, who have spiritual struggles. Well, don't we all in that respect? But some particularly are acute, it seems, and, and need someone to stand beside and, and work with. There is a test that someone gave me of being able to tell whether a person needs encouragement. 
And, and the test is this. Check if they are breathing. That's the test. So we have a job to do. And then verse 15. See that none render evil unto, for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men. Now it might be easier to show... Um, Love and non-resistance to someone that lives a thousand or ten thousand miles away than to someone who um, lives next door who sits on the same pew at church. Non-resistance unto any man. See that none render evil for evil unto any, any person. And we could go on with verse 16, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. These are some things that hold together and promote the strength of the church. Moving on to my fifth point. Last night we didn't have too much of an electrical system here, and we missed it. At least I did. Glad that we could make some adjustments. Thinking of the electrical system in a building being the source of power, that of the Holy Spirit. Going back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. And in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. Now, chapter 5, verse 19 says, quench not the Spirit. Another portion of Scripture says, grieve not the Holy Spirit. So, let's not be a resistor that causes a lot of heat. Well, that impedes the flow of power. Let's not quench the Spirit, causing a short circuit. That would be, I think, sin that causes the flow of power to cease. Now, we need insulation on the wires of an electrical system for the flow of power to occur. We think of that as separation from the world, not insulation, not isolation, but insulation. Jesus said, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil thereof. Insulation, not isolation. In the sixth place, a building has a door. Well... Glad for a door to get in here. But you know, a door needs to swing both ways. To admit, and uh, unfortunately sometimes to expel. Going to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14. If any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him, that he may be ashamed, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. There needs to be carefulness, I believe, in entrance and in expelling where that needs to take place. And I think there needs to be congregational involvement in both, not just the work of the church leaders. But it is important to have a door. Now, looking up, there's a ceiling and I think there's a roof beyond that. Above all, these things put on charity book of Colossians says. So I think of the roof 
being charity, charity, love in the brotherhood. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and 4, we have another number of uh, statements of the importance of love, encouragement to love. 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 6, But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you, Verse 12, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. Chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. He does anyway. For ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another, and indeed ye do it toward all the brethren which are in all Macedonia. And we beseech you, brethren that ye increase more and more. You're doing a great job. But let it flow. Let it abound. The last thing I'd like to think about as far as the parts of a building. Don't know if there's one in this building, but a skylight. Looking up, Jesus said, look up for your redemption draws nigh. I noticed that in this book, of this five-chaptered five book for First Thessalonians, in every chapter there is reference to the return of Jesus. For example, chapter 1 and verse 10 says, and to wait for his son from heaven. Chapter 2 and verse 19, for what is our crown or joy, what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? Chapter 3 and verse 13 to the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And then the famous passage in 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning to read at verse 13, but I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, those who have died, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so a them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And chapter 5. Verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's great things ahead. <laughs> Having looked at these different parts of a building, building the temple of God, I'd now like to consider a number of helps in building. What can we do in practical terms to help in this eternal building project? Well, if you hire somebody or you're going to get together for a project, you expect them to show up and do their job. So it is in the church. So my first point is do your job and do it well. 
Paul wrote to Archippus at the church of Colossae, take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord that thou fulfill it. You do it and you do it well. Whether you're a Sunday school teacher or a board member or a prayer warrior or a mother, be willing to be tied down. And a man in my home congregation say, um, I think we were asking him to be Sunday school superintendent. I said, well, my wife and I would rather not be tied down this year. Well, I can understand that. But, you know, Jesus was willing to be nailed down. Don't you think we should be willing to be tied down to some responsibilities? Second point is, to respect one another's role and personality. Now, I don't know this congregation. I know a few of you. I don't know your personalities and your, your quirks and ways. But my point here is that God can use all kinds of people, all kinds of personalities, all kinds of abilities to use an old analogy about a carpenter, there's no CNC routers uh, spoken about in this little reading. The carpenter tools were having a conference. Brother Hammer was acting as chairman, but the group soon informed him that he must leave, for he was too noisy. Brother Hammer said, if I leave the carpenter shop, Brother Nail must go too. He's so insignificant that he makes little impression. Little Brother Nail rose and said, all right, I will go, but if I go, Brother Screw must go also. You have to turn him around and around before you can get him to go anywhere. If you wish, I will go, said Brother Screw. But then Brother Plain must leave. All his work is on the surface. There's no depth to him. To this, Brother Plain replied, Well, Brother Rule, you will have to withdraw too, for you are always measuring folks as though you were the only person who's right. Brother Rule complained against Brother Sandpaper and said, he should leave because he's rougher than he ought to be. He's always rubbing people the wrong way. In the midst of the heated discussion, the carpenter walked in. He put on his apron and walked to the bench. He employed the hammer, the nail, the screw, the plane, the rule, the sandpaper, and all the other tools. When the day's work was done, he had completed the pulpit from which the gospel would be preached. All are necessary. All are useful. You know, some of us are shy. Some of us are outgoing. Some of us are forthright, some of us more diplomatic. Some of us, um, not much of a communicator, a uh, speaker, um, teacher sort of thing, but uh, do a great job of organizing relief. I remember a man in the congregation when I was growing up, um, yeah, he, he wasn't much of a, of a leader. Uh, in terms of a service, in service, but in terms of service outside of the church building, he was a great man for getting things organized and getting things done. If there was a building project, uh, I remember uh, one of the brethren uh, had a house fire. Well, he was right there. He was very good at that sort of thing. You know, not only in music does harmony result from a blending of differences. I enjoy four part, hearing four-part singing. But it takes a blending of differences for that harmony to result. But we may need to sing on a little different pitch. 
and adjust. Take some adjustments of one's thinking and approach, perhaps. Some of us need to become less outspoken, etc. Respect one another's role. Encourage and uh, support your leaders. Um, it helps um, when people stay awake and alert. You know, I had one sister tell me uh, she described herself as an enthusiastic listener, and she she was she was good at that. There was a church bulletin. I usually had some little um, story or quotation or something, and and this one. Uh, time they had something uh, it was supposed to be called boost the pastor a bit but it came out as boot the pastor a bit I hope it's a boosting here but some places it's a booting of the pastor I'm afraid be a member be a faithful member cooperate that's a great encouragement to leaders next Bear ye one another's burdens. Now, the book of Galatians says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so there is that point of bearing one another's burdens, but it also says in the same chapter, For every man shall bear his own burden. So I thought, what is going on here? We're supposed to bear one another's burdens. We're supposed to bear our own burdens. So, from my understanding, from a bit of study, has the idea of those normal routine burdens, you know, the daily affairs. Bear your own burdens. But then there are those burdens that come with health issues or that come with financial losses or come with relationship struggles where we need the help of others. Bear ye one another's burdens. Next, don't speak evil one of another. Instead, as one person said, be a graveyard for gossip. You hear it, you bury it, rather than passing it on. Don't speak evil one of another, but rather encourage one another. Next thing about helping in building is to submit one to another, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. Now, sometimes people think, well, um, I, I think I should support uh, those things that I agree with. Uh, if I support things that I don't agree with, that sort of how makes me a hypocrite. Well, I had a man in his early 20s. He uh, wanted to become a member of our church, but he had uh, uh, an issue with television and wearing the tie and a few things and so he, he said he doesn't know if he can comply with these things that we expect our church members to comply with. So we talked a little bit about what it means to submit. And 
All right, so if, if I submit only to those things that I personally feel, those things that I represent my thinking, uh, if indeed submission means laying aside my way of thinking or acting and taking another's way, um, if I only submit to what already is my thinking, what kind of submission is that? It's not really submission at all. But the Bible does say submit yourselves one to another. Said, oh, yeah, I get you. He's become a very strong, supportive members of a very strong family. Remember in my youth, there was a question about paving the parking lot. And I remember the deacon. Or maybe he knew the state of the church's finances. He was opposed to spending the money to pave the parking lot. But the vote carried to pave the parking lot. And after that, he referred to our decision to pave the parking lot. He was fully in support of it, even though initially he wasn't. Noah's church in the Midwest, which had a question, uh, attendance was increasing. Do we build on or do we start another congregation? Sort of the question that we had at Grace, my home congregation. Well, they had a discussion. One brother was strongly in favor of two congregations. But the decision was made to expand the building. And this brother was there every opportunity he had to support the building of, uh, of the addition, of renovating the church. He says, he said, I, it was our decision and I support it. You know, there's the verse, the words of Jesus. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Um, we may say that fairly glibly and possibly sincerely. That would be our intent. But if I'm not willing to lay down my opinion, would I be willing to lay down my life for the brothers? Another thing that helps in the building is forbearance and forgiveness. Spoke a little bit about forgiveness last evening. It takes brokenness, it takes humility. I remember uh, I was involved in a another congregation, giving oversight, and um, I was aware that the pastor and uh, another brother, prominent brother in the church, um, were at odds with each other, said this, we can't, we can't go on like this. So I called a meeting on a Saturday morning and uh, thought we'll have to talk this through and pray about it, seeking to resolve the difficulty and so we met together and had a little conversation and read some scripture and prayed. And after praying, I saw the one brother pulled from his pocket a long list. These were the things he had documented. He was a documenter. He documented all the things of the past. 
I know, Lord. And then he suggested that we go outside. And took along a metal pail. Took along some matches. Went outside and he said, I've, I've decided not to present these things. I'm not going to hold them against my brother here. And he lit a match, and we watched those grievances go up in smoke. And they embraced each other and went on in church life in peace. Show brokenness, show forbearance and forgiveness. Final point is to work together. Now, I'm wondering if there's a 7, 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old boy that would be willing to come up here and help me turn on this flashlight. Do we have somebody here that's brave enough to come up and turn on this flashlight, help me a little bit? Or a girl, or someone a little older. Got some batteries here. Maybe you'll have to bring your dad up here. Uh, all right. Well, you can watch. Not too hard on the eyes, is it? Any suggestions? What I should do? Turn the battery on. Okay. All three of them. Oh, okay. Stick them in. I can't see to it like this. Well. Now maybe it needs a little padding here. A little Kleenex in here. Get them all in here. All right. No go. What's what's your suggestion? Oh. They're touching each other. Oh, I'm here. Slow learner here. More than one way. We forgot to help. Okay. Can you can you see if you can make this go? Push hard on that. And it's pretty bright in here, but yeah, you might be able to. I think it's working. People are blinking their eyes anyway. Thank you very much for helping me to make this light. 
All right, so we've got to have things in the right order, have to make good connections, get rid of sin, or whatever would impede the flow of power. Well, the church needs the parts put together in the right way and uh, put together properly without other things that would interfere. So, this church made the light shine. Would have been more impressive last night, I think, than this morning. <laughs> and may you be built up a spiritual house. Let's bow our heads to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus, the foundation. Thank you for the word of God that is safe to build our lives and the church upon. Thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit. And I pray for this congregation that they might build together and uh, that there might be a holy temple of the Lord continuing here in the years to come, waiting for the return of the Lord and being a light in this community. And so I pray that... Uh, you would prosper this congregation, bless its leaders, and each of us here as uh, we would work together these few days. And uh, for the people that gather here regularly, bless them with wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.